Stand by. Hello and welcome to the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist. And now your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Libro Cube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Libro Cubicularist. Today is Wednesday, March the 20th. As you are noted aware, I have no trouble questioning the veracity of your awareness. You will know that within the Libro Cube, Wednesday is actually Book Bow Wednesday, in which we discuss, meaning I discuss books and you listen. Yay, books. Period. Could end the podcast on that note right there. Yay, books. End of podcast. I will not, though. I will talk about two books today. Huh. I think I may have trouble fitting them both in. Uh, if, if Movie Monday and TV Tuesday are any indication, uh, it is going to be difficult. So, I'm going to speed right in by saying uh, two things first. There will be spoilers, most likely. This is your one and only spoiler warning. For some reason, saying this right now makes me think maybe I forgot to do it yesterday. Uh, if I did, I apologize. Oops. Baby. Uh, the other thing I'd like to say, which I know I forgot yesterday, is that if you like what you hear, meaning this podcast, uh, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is that perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Last, but not least, before we get into actual Book of Wednesday-related talk, is our sponsor. Hmm. Today's sponsor is Dippler Brand Meat Pies. Once again, today's sponsor is Dippler Brand Meat Pies. At these prices, he's practically cutting his own throat. Alright, book the first, which I'm going to try to um, get in before I stop and get breakfast and then save the remaining drive-to-work trip for the second book and the drive home uh, also for the second one. That is my plan. Let's see how I do. Book the first, called Night Watch. Ooh, scary? No, not scary at all. Um, it is a novel by Mr. Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratchett, creator of the Discworld series. Terry Pratchett, who is my favorite author. What? How come I have not brought back one of his books yet, you may ask? Well, that's a good question. Because um, there's only a handful left, so I sort of dribble them out so as not to complete them all at once. i gotta, I got to conserve, uh, as I still have some left. What I have been doing, and uh, I think I'm going to keep on doing because I enjoy it, is uh, I will start one of these books when I go to Toronto Comic-Con, as I did, or Fan Expo, as I did, or this upcoming Fan Expo this year, as I will do. Uh, that way, while I am standing in line, because there is a fair amount of line standing, I will have one of my very favorite authors with me to read to get me through the line standing, because I don't like lines. That is what I did in this case. I uh, started it in line at Toronto Comic-Con, Let's uh, jump right into actual book 
stuffs then, now that you got a bit of the background, just to say uh, one more thing to put a little little nail in it. Um, at my wedding, uh, instead of table numbers, what we did, and this is one of the few things I had input on, was uh, we did famous authors for the tables. So you were you would look at the list, find what author you were uh, sitting at, and then sit at that table. Okay. I was told the head table did not need a famous author because it's a head table. However, I printed off a uh, table number, quote unquote, with Mr. Terry Pratchett on it for the head table and put it in my pocket. And then when we sat at the head table, I put it in um, like the flowers in front of me and the missus. So if that is any indication of my love of uh, Mr. Terry Pratchett and his Discworld series in particular, uh, it is a it is a strong love. Hey, he was there on my wedding day. Okay, so uh, since I don't have a lot of time, I'm not going to get too heavily into what the Discworld is, other than to say it is a it is a fantasy realm. That's a good way to put it. It is a realm that uh, the planet that it takes place on is in the shape of a disc. Huh? Discworld? The disc is riding on the back of uh, four elephants. The four elephants are riding on the back of a giant turtle that is flying through space. Hmm. Interesting. Crazy, crazy shit goes down on this world in the sort of backdrop of a sort of, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of, Tolkien-esque feel to it, in that, like, there's dwarves, there's trolls, there's vampires, what have you, lots, lots of different creatures such as that. Uh, I have to stop and get gas. Stop one. So I'm going to go in, get some gas, and then somehow, hopefully, finish this book by the time I get to the coffee shop. Wish me luck. Editing. 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 On the road again. Alright, within this particular Discworld novel, you are, uh, let's say, thrust into the role of Mr. Samuel Vimes. Samuel Vimes, who is, I believe, I don't know if I'm just saying this because I just finished the book, well, not just finished, finished like a week ago. Or, I actually meant it, but I believe he is my favorite Discworld character. I think he very well might. Um, and by that I mean, something interesting of the Discworld series is that it's, what is it, 20-ish books? Somewhere around that mark. And every novel within the series features a different main character. Now, I don't mean every single novel is a different character. I mean that there are a handful of different characters that the novels can be about within this universe. And they'll all sort of interchange among novels that some characters from some novels will appear in others. And it's all just novels set in this giant world that these people live in. All right? Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, Samuel Vimes is the leader of the Night Watch. That's how he got his start. He's now sort of progressed and moved... Um, a little bit beyond that, I guess you would say. Although he doesn't like that fact. He'd rather just be a regular copper. Uh, that might have something to do with my like-love of this book. 
is that my both my dad and my grandfather were police officers. So uh, the fact that this uh, Samuel Vimes character is sort of a, a man's man, copper dude, doesn't take shit from anybody, just a dude, really. Yeah. Uh, maybe that has something to do with why I like it. Huh. Uh, the, the novel starts with he is chasing a very, very bad man by the name of Cursor. End up, uh, on top of the, they end up on top of the Unseen University, which is the university in which wizards are trained during a lightning storm. During a temporal lightning storm. Oh, temporal. That's never good. Uh, temporal lightning storm in which they are flung back in time. Yes, it is fantasy. It is time travel. It is everything good about novels. Yes. Rolled into one. Alright, I'm about to stop and get coffee, so I clearly am going to need more time. So, uh, what am I going to do? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'll make the drive to work this first novel, and then the drive home the second novel. Although that's going to be hard, because this first novel, uh, Night Watch, was not crazy long. However, I barely put a dent in what's happened, so that wouldn't be fair to just leave it at that. Uh, and the last novel I'm going to read, which as you probably know if you're following along, is in the Dark Tower series, and it was like a 600-page book with tons of crazy shit, and I got like two pages of notes. So I don't know what's going to happen, basically. We'll play it by ear, but it's coffee time. Back in a mo. Editing. 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 On the road yet again. No time. No time for that song. Moving on. Uh, travels back in time, yes. <laughs> I wish I could. And do this quicker. Ah. Travels back in time to uh, basically when he was a young copper first started out. Uh, the very, very cool, interesting thing about this scenario is that he travels back in time and ends up sort of, you could almost go as far as say as transforming into the person uh, by the name of uh, John Keel. John Keel was who trained him when he was a young officer. So it's like he traveled back in time. And although he wasn't actually John Keel, he sort of transformed into him through a series of strange events, and then end up ended up training himself as a young copper. Mind blown? Yes, I hope it was. Uh, this is during a time in Ankh-Morpok, which is the name of the city that uh, great quantities of these novels take place in. Just sort of a sprawling metropolis, but like feudally. Well, not feudal, because... There's not a king. Like, uh, probably not quite medieval, but 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 somewhere in, in that uh, in that sort of feel. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Because I don't have time to make sense. Uh, during this time, there's like a curfew, um, whispers of rebellion. Huh? The, uh, the patrician, which is uh, sort of like a king, the, the leader of the city, the mayor, the king, whatever you want to call him. Call him patrician in these novels is uh, a bit of a crazy person and super, super paranoid. Um, so, as you can imagine, that makes things not good for the citizenry. No, sir. Um, because there is time travel involved, there, uh, of course, is the appearance of the time-traveling monks. 
I remember, I can't remember what it was called, but there was at least one, uh, yeah, yeah, it was just one, I think, novel about a monk by the name of Lutze, L-U-T-Z-E, Lutze. He is a time-traveling monk. The time-traveling monks sort of control time, the, the, the flow and ebb of time. And if they weren't there, things would have gone uh, belly up a long time ago. So he obviously, because of this, makes an appearance in order to get Vimes back to uh, his own time. Huh? Makes sense. Perfect sense. Of course, before this can happen, he has to get Carcer, because he knows if he leaves Carcer uh, back in time, he will be up to no good and cause havoc. And then when he goes back to the future... Shit will not be good, and Lutzi confirms this. The sort of whole backdrop of this is the fact that there is revolution. Viva la revolution! Uh, brewing throughout the city because of all this curfew business and uh, people being taken to a group called the Unmentionables <laughs> uh, to be tortured. Just really a, a sad, sad state of affairs. There are younger versions of a lot of the characters you will recognize. I wrote them down. I don't have time to talk about them. Let's just move on to... There's a young version of Ventari, Ventari who ends up being the actual patrician in uh, Samuel Vine's time. He is a, He's another really cool character. Uh, Assassin-y, but um, just sort of cool, calm, and collected. So I, I kind of like him. All right. So, bye, bye kills. There's a final showdown between um, 20 of the coppers that Samuel Vimes has sort of whipped into shape to be actual, factual night watchmen, as opposed to just scummy guys who would take bribes and steal. And when he first got there, the 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 coppers of that time were pretty pretty much all scumbags. So he cleaned out the worst ones and reformed the other ones into a cohesive uh, unit. Yes, so uh, there was a final fight that was uh, very good between them and uh, soldiers and uh, other coppers and the unmentionables and really just good stuff. Kill dies. Oh, uh, one thing that Vimes is, uh, that sort of keeps him uh, in line with trying to get back to his uh, regular time is that his wife is pregnant. So he was only gone from their point of view for, what was it, like 20 minutes or something like that? However, he was actually gone for many, many weeks. Gets back and his son is born. Aww. And uh, the son is named Sam. Huh, Samuel Vimes. So now there's two of them. Sam Vimes and Sam Vimes Jr. I hope he turns out just as well. At the very, very end, he uh, catches Carcer finally, of course, as you do, and he is probably heartbeats away from killing him, and this is sort of deeply against his code, but he's just so furious, um, but, and that is, I guess, the spoiler, he holds back, uses every ounce of, of uh, willpower to hold back his murderous rage, and does not kill him, but takes him in um, to, of course, be tried, convicted, and then killed. <laughs> But they did it the right way, the lawful way, which is really uh, all what Sam Vines is about. Yes. All right. Uh, close to work, but I'm going to friggin' start this last one because maybe we'll get a little in, right? You know what I did? 
Today, you get two sponsors. What? Sponsor of book number two is Sherlock Home Inspection. Once again, today's second sponsor for book number two is Sherlock Home Inspection. It's elementary to trust them to inspect your home. Dear Watson? Uh, Of course, if you are following along with Book Wednesdays, you will know the book I'm about to talk about is The Wolves of the Kala. Book number five of the Dark Tower series by Mr. Stephen King. Yay! Awesomeness. I, uh, as I have not done, and I am not going to do, not going to dip too far back at all, or at all, into previous books, just for the reason that you have available to you, uh, my podcasts, uh, one through four of the first four books of this series, so you can listen to them. I do not recommend that you start with this one. It kind of would not make sense, would it? Or perhaps you're reading along with me, in which case, I love you, and I want to hear from you, and email me to the email address provided in the closing credits. Yay. Books! Alright, so let's just start off by saying... um, Okay, we'll, we'll get this part out of the way, which I think I can. The Kala is a region of uh, Roland's world, Roland the Gunslinger's world, in which wolves, quote-unquote wolves, come every gen once every generation to take one of every uh, two twins, set of twins. So there'll be, for some reason, within this giant region of this world, um, it is much more likely that people give birth to twins than, uh, I think, what they call singletons or something like that. So the wolves will come once every generation and take one of these twins, which means this book is sort of a, a classic example of a, uh, a western in which the town has to be saved by the intrepid gunslingers. Love that backdrop for a book. All right, I'm at work. I'm going to go in and do eight hours of work and hopefully polish this off this afternoon. Love you, dearies. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back! We are back! We are back! We are back! Back! We are back! Back in action! Hello again! Not quite eight hours of work completed by Working Robot. Ugh. Why not? Because I had to go home. I was not feeling good whatsoever. Uh, I won't get into the nitty-gritty or perhaps the poopa diarrhea e. But the combination of feeling like poop and being a crazy super slow day meant that going home was an option. And I thank you, boss man, for letting me do so, because not good. Not goodness. Uh, Let's jump back in, since uh, my frantic podcasting morning, uh, you... I uh, will indicate that I don't have a lot of time and a lot to talk about. So, so uh, wish me luck, basically. Where did I leave off? We know what book I'm reading. Uh, I talked about the Kala. Uh, okay, yeah, I know where we are. So, this 
story is sort of your classic western, sometimes spaghetti western, of a town in need where um, it's usually a lone gunman comes along to save the town from the bad guys. However, in this case, they are not lone gunmen. They are a uh, catet huh? Huh? of gunslingers instead. But basically the same thing. Uh, it's sort of... Uh, I wrote down three examples of this sort of scenario. One is the movie Rango. <laughs> so, there you go. That's one. Um, probably the best example is a little uh, film spaghetti western called High Plains Drifter with Mr. Clint Eastwood. He did a whole bunch of western movies and every goddamn one of them is a little slice of western movie heaven. Definitely for me anyways, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly is the quintessential western movie. Uh, five out of five. As far as western goes, six out of five. It's my favorite one. And last but not least, Three Amigos. Well, Three amigos, three dudes, roll into town and save it. Hey, just sort of on that note, you may have listened to the episode where on the way home I stopped at an auction. At said auction, I got a movie poster of the three amigos signed by the three amigos. My voice went very high there in excitement. Okay, so uh, within this town, region, Cala, they meet up with a Father Callahan. Father Callahan, uh, some of you may know, some of you readers, some of you readers of Stephen King novels in particular may know from his novel Salem's Lot, which I believe, did they make a movie of that? Uh, I think they might have. Uh, I don't know. I, I do vaguely remember reading the book and liking it. It's basically, from what I recall and what we learn in this book, uh, vampires uh, invade a small New England town. I think that's a good way to boil it down. He was not, again, from what we learn in this book, Wolves of the Kala, and what I recall from Salem's Lot, he was not exactly the main character of that book. Uh, sort of a secondary or tertiary character. However, we sort of learn through this book his backstory of how he left Salem's Lot and sort of went on a, a journey. A, uh, you know what, I think you could say a magical, mystical journey. And I don't mean like peyote or magic mushrooms. I mean actual, factual journeying through crazy shit. He sort of found the highways and byways of uh, the beams, uh, magical doorways and pathways that can take you from different versions of our Earth. For example, as he was traveling, this is a good way that Stephen King used to illustrate it. As he was traveling, sort of the money within his pocket would change. So, sort of one day, you know, uh, Abraham Lincoln would be on the $1 bill. Then sometimes he'd be on the $5 bill. Then sometimes it'd be, uh, I think one time it was like a German guy and things like that. So that was a good way to, to illustrate how he's traveling through different uh, dimensions, realities, existences of our worlds that exist out there. Yeah, cool. He has in his possession, and uh, I won't go into too much detail how that came about, uh, the Black Wizard Glass. What? Uh, if you w listen to the last podcast, Wizards and Glass, was that the last one? 
Oh, jeez, I can't remember now. Get my uh, my book title order a little screwed up. Wizards and Glass, yeah. Yeah, 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 I'm pretty sure that was it. Anyways, um, we heard the story of uh, the Wizard Glass. In that case, it was the pink one. And uh, the pink one caused havoc and was very, very evil. So imagine what the black one is. Jesus. It is, according to Roland, the most evil of all the wizard glasses. Um, it's sort of at this point, as Father Callahan is telling his story, that we get the feeling that he is going to become a member of the Catet of Roland, and Eddie, and, Suvan and Susanna, and Jake. And let's not forget, oi! 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 Also, this is where the number 19 starts just appearing everywhere. Uh, they'll look at a cloud, and it'll be in the shape of 19. They'll look at the trees. Um, names of people will have 19 letters in them. First and last, obviously. Um, they'll go pick up firewood, and they'll come back, and they'll see they had 19 pieces. Uh, there's a security co code at one point, and it's, um, is it 19? Or is it 1999? 19 and the number 99 also, because of the year 1999, we eventually learn. Uh, two other things that pop up that are sort of giant monkey wrenches in this whole existence of uh, these people's lives, these people's lives, is the fact that A, Roland, the leader, the Din, as they call him, which is just another name for leader, D-I-N-H, Din? How would you pronounce that, actually? I don't know. I've never heard anyone say that word. D-I-N-H? Din? 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 He is developing arthritis. Ooh, that's not good. Uh, he is a gunslinger who deals in death through the use of his fingers and guns. So uh, arthritis is not a good thing. No, sir. Especially as he is the leader. Uh, the other thing that is bad, and possibly even worse, actually, is the fact that Susanna was impregnated by a demon. What? <sighs> Guts are churning. Oh, man. Keep it together. Keep it together, Jordan. You could do it. Ugh. Uh, I'm not sure, if, I'm pretty sure we got into how she had to have sex with a demon in order to occupy it so it didn't kill Jake as he transferred from our world, this one I am speaking in, into Roland's world. Did we talk about that? I'm pretty sure we did. So she's got some demon spawn brewing in her belly. Uh, interesting thing about that is that, again, if you look back, to previous books and previous podcast episodes of which I talked about said books, you will know she is a multiple personality gal. Uh, she was once Odetta and Detta. She was once Odetta and Odetta, transformed sort of into Susanna. Now has another gal popping in named Mia, Mia, daughter of Nun, who is the mother of this sort of demon spawn. Uh, so that's cool right there, off the bat. I could put a period in that sentence uh, and move on. However, uh, she's not showing any of this pregnancy, which is kind of crazy, mystically, magically. So I like that as well. Another cool thing is that uh, it's hap it happened a couple of times. She'll wake up in the middle of the night and go sort of foraging for grub for her little baby, her little chap, as they call it. 
And it's not just uh, she's going to the cupboard and getting uh, getting some cookies and milk. No, no, no. She will go into the swamps and hunt snakes and frogs and rabbits and eat them whole. Which is probably not a good sign uh, as far as her baby is concerned. Uh, first chunk of their arrival in this town, they're just sort of uh, assessing its weaknesses and strengths. The greatest strength is that the girls, uh, not all the girls of the town, but a great chunk of them, have this sort of ability to throw these uh, sharpened plates. Sort of like the discus throw, however more plate-formed. <laughs> uh, they're made of titanium, and they're very sharp on um, all the edges except where you hold them, uh, and they can throw them with deadly accuracy. Uh, let's see, Callahan tells a story of vampires. Callahan tells the story of vampires, um, something else he calls low men, who I guess are sort of vampire helpers. He tells of his uh, travels through the multiverse. Once Roland and party know he has the wizard glass, there is also in play uh, a door, a door in which Father Callahan came through to arrive in this moved on world. Ah, the world has moved on. That is a sentence you will hear many times. Uh, I, su I suggest perhaps you even just Google the world has moved on and it'll give you a shit ton of cool stuff I bet. Hmm, interesting. Plus I don't have time to get in what it means, so that is also cheating on my part. <laughs> Take that. Um, we find out that using the wizard glass will open this door that they could not open before. <laughs> I think that may have rhymed. I am a poet, and I am aware of it. Uh, so they use it to travel to our when, this when. Well, not this when as in right now, the year 2013, but this when as in the present, which was 1999, I guess. Uh, and something you should know that, that is very important about um, the, the when and where they travel to is it is sort of, out of all the multiverse, uh, it is the most real. It is the most real because it is the closest to the Dark Tower. Ooh, very interesting. Uh, because of its uh, realness, you cannot travel forward and backward in time uh, within within that when and where. So, uh, for example, Eddie would travel there, uh, meet up with Calvin Tower, which I'll get into in a second, and then travel back to his, uh, to Roland's moved on world, okay? Now, next time he traveled to it, he could not travel to the same time or earlier. In fact, uh, even worse, because they're on a, on a time frame here, uh, time moves quicker within this world, within the, the realest of real worlds, so every time he travels back, more time has passed than it has in his moved on world. Okay? That probably, uh, it blew my mind, and I read it. So I imagine you, who's just hearing it from me, uh, who's, since I'm not getting across the full scope and grasp of it, um, your mind is probably likewise blown. Mm -hmm. Highly, highly recommend, once again, that you read these for yourself. The reason he has to go and meet this Calvin Tower character is because Calvin Tower owns the lot. The vacant lot. The vacant lot in which there is a rose. The vacant lot 
in which there is a rose that contained within its illuminated petals uh, is perhaps, although we're not sure at this point, all of existence. What? Mind blown even further. Friggin' love, love, love shit like that. Crazy shit. Uh, it, it does, it, you have to, when reading a book like this, you got to get your mind, I think, in, in a certain space to understand uh, and sort of let your mind loose that things like this can happen or else you'll, it, it'll just go, it, it will make no sense to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think boil down, if you don't get your mind in this space of having multiple uh universes on top of one another existing at any given time where anything that can happen does happen uh, it'll be difficult for you to read these books. Uh, you know what is good uh, I just thought of something, you know what is good practice <laughs> good practice for reading this, these books is the television show Sliders uh, which I believe we may have brought back uh, in some of the very earlier episodes of the Liberal Cube, I'm pretty sure Anyways, uh, Sliders, the TV show, uh, episodes ranging from my rating three to five. Some really cool episodes on that, some meh. And I think, like, the last handful of episodes, maybe some twos. I, I don't think I even watched the last. Just got kind of boring, because there's no... All the original cast was gone. Okay, that was a tangent. I apologize. Uh, just as we're rating things, this book and the whole series, five out of five. I just just know this that every book in the series I'm going to give a 5 out of 5 to, okay? Uh, that being said, I haven't read the very, very last one, so maybe it'll be horrible? <laughs> I kind of doubt it. Okay, so... Um, uh, within this Kala, the bad guys, they have to save... Kala means town, basically, okay? Town, region, area, whatever. Uh, within this Kala that they're trying to save, every generation wolves will come. Wolves will come and take, uh, I think I mentioned that this morning, take one of each twin. The twin that they take will either A, never be seen again, or will come back root. Uh, that is spelled R-O-O-N-T. Basically ruined, but they say root. So they'll come back and they'll be, uh, like, like mentally, um, stunted. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Mentally stunted, and their bodies will just continue to grow and grow and grow, usually to the point where it kills them. Uh, so not good. And the people have goddamn well haven't had enough. Uh, da -da -da. The <laughs> something funny that uh, is also very very smart is that Stephen King had Roland say to his catet multiple times that 90% uh, of a battle like this is the planning, the, the forethought, the research, the getting ready for the battle, and then the battle is, you know, it's five minutes of sweat and blood and guts, and then it's over. Uh, the reason I think that was smart is because this is a 600-page book, and the actual battle with the wolves was, you know, 20 pages, if that. So smart on his part to, to make that 20 pages super sort of frenetic and exciting and just wow. Uh, and then the build-up was there. So it's, it's not something I don't think you could do in, like, a movie. So 
very greatly much appreciated. Uh, let's just throw in a couple of things from this battle uh, that were really cool. Uh, one, the wolves were dressed as uh, dressed the same as Doctor Doom from the Marvel comics. So they got the full green cloaks, uh, the full regalia of Doctor Doom, right down to uh, yeah, I'll give the spoiler away <laughs> because it's it's actually kind of I don't know if obvious is the right word fairly early on, but pretty obvious they were robots. So right down to the metal-y faces. Also, they carried with them light swords, <laughs> uh, a.k.a. light sabers. What? Eddie, who knew of Star Wars, did recognize them. They also carried these balls that would uh, sort of fly out and chop people up. Uh, on the balls that would do this uh, were sort of engravings indicating where they were made and what they were called. What were they called? Long pause for drama. Long pause completed. They were called Sneeches. Harry Potter model Sneeches. What? Mind has been blown even further. Just it's shit like this that comes up 19, as Eddie would say. Shit that uh, really illustrates the sort of interconnectedness between all worlds. Uh, so things, anything that can exist, does exist. Even things that people had written in sort of fictional uh, fictional movies, fictional novels, just like how the Wizard of Oz stuff popped up already. Just mind-blowing shit. I'm at home, but that wasn't too bad a timing. I'm not in my garage this time. Just to end it, just to put that final nail in a coffin, uh, that's kind of fitting, too. Uh, Calvin Tower, who Eddie went to visit, is a super book nerd, bookshop owner, and agreed to help them on the condition that they brought books from our world into theirs to uh, take care of. Yeah? So they push through a shelf, and at one point, Roland sees a book on the shelf. What book does he see on the shelf? He sees the book, Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot, written by Stephen King, is on a bookshelf in this book written by Stephen King. What? This is where shit starts getting fucked up. Cannot stress. Folks, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Hello. What? This is a first. Uh, realize after finishing editing this episode that I forgot a very important a note, so I uh, figured I would throw it in here, just quick, quick, bunny, bunny-like, yeah, quick like a bunny, sure. Uh, the note is that the reason the wolves were hired, and I do say hired, meaning, I guess, since they were robots, not so much hired, as uh, created to get these uh, twins from the Kala, was because twins, as we all know, share a sort of uh, brain chemistry connection with one another, which there's certain documented things that that actually happens. However, this uh, this is sort of taking it to the next level in that um, this essence, we'll call it, uh, is then extracted from one of each twin and then injected into um, the breakers. 
The breakers are people who use their sort of psychic, amplified psychic abilities to break, huh, that's the name, uh, break the beams. Now, we've talked quite a bit about the beams, quite a bit about the beams over the course of these books, so I won't get into too much other than... I won't get into them too much other than to say uh, two horrifying facts. One is that there were at one time six or twelve. Oh shoot, I forgot. Six, yeah, six. At uh, one time there were six beams. Beams that were holding together all of creation um, with the Dark Tower at its sort of apex. Okay, you with me so far? Now, there are only two beams left because these breakers are purposely breaking them. The bastards! They need to be stopped, which is what Roland and his quartet are on their way to do. Uh-huh. I figured I'd have to throw this little snippet in just because it gives a lot of the background of the beams and the Dark Tower and the sort of overreaching story of everything. Okay? So, um, yay. And here we go with the end. Again, it's nice to be nice to the nice. Doubly. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Libra Cubicle Wrist. We here in the Libro Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address mailwood.jordan at gmail.com And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway Wait till our lips have met Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine Live long and prosper.